my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to come right out and say it honestly and openly to you today. I'm going to talk to you about your money. Actually, about giving away your money. So how do you feel about that? Are you excited, anxious to learn or review what God has to say about this aspect of your Christian life? Are you maybe a little indifferent uh, about this topic? Kind of ho-hum, I know what I need to know, and I'm kind of set in my giving habits. You may be a little nervous or uncomfortable because this is kind of a sore subject for you, and you have a feeling you're just going to kind of come away feeling guilty. Or you may be even a little perturbed that this topic is coming up. Because, you know, after all, I realize that one of the biggest gripes people have about churches, oh, all they do is talk about money, all they want is your money. Well, you know, if you're visiting with us this morning or tuning in for the first time online, I really don't think that would be a fair assessment of our ongoing message. But the topic does come up from time to time. Because God himself brings it up from time to time. And today is one of those times. We heard an Old Testament reading. We heard the gospel reading about money and giving. And now we've been going through this book of 2 Corinthians for a couple months now, as I said, under this theme, Saved to Serve. And guess what? Now that we turn to chapter 8, Uh, One of the ways that Paul talks about us serving is, lo and behold, with our money and our giving. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, Paul never uses the term money, but clearly he is talking to them, to the Corinthians, about uh, taking up a collection, an offering that could be sent to the saints, the church in Jerusalem, because they were struggling And while that may be a very specific application that Paul is talking about to the Corinthians back then, as always, there's a lot that we can learn from what he says to them. And the essence of what he says to them is right there at the end of verse 7. You can look at it, the end of that first paragraph. He says, Excel in this grace of giving. That was Paul's message to the Corinthians. That is God's message for us this morning. Excel in the grace of giving. So I want to first of all talk about, just kind of focus in on that phrase and and what is significant about his terminology in that phrase, excel in the grace of giving. And and then I want to look uh, before that and after that and see a couple things that Paul talks about to help us do just that to help motivate us to excel in the grace of giving. So first of all, looking at just that phrase in and of itself, don't you find it quite interesting that Paul says, excel in the grace of giving. He doesn't just say, excel in your giving, but excel in the grace of giving. And that's significant. And in fact, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're used to hearing that term grace applied to God, right? But three times in this first paragraph of our text, he uses that word grace to describe us. And, and, and specifically, our, our giving habits. So what's so significant about that? 
Well, you know what the word grace means, right? Simply put, grace means undeserved love. Now, clearly, that's a good description of our God. Our God who, though we don't deserve it because of our sins, still loves us and has proved that love by sending His Son, Jesus, to pay for our sins. So, yes, we praise God for His grace. But clearly, that is a word, grace, that should also describe us. Because just as God has loved us, so we are called to love one another. To love with an undeserved love. To love with grace. And while there are many ways to show grace, undeserved love in our lives, Paul is here talking about the specific way of our financial giving. So when you go to a store, you, you buy your groceries or whatever, and you're finished, you go to the clerk and you give them your money, or even if it's plastic money, is that grace? You're giving money, but is that the grace of giving? Well, no, because they deserve that money. They're giving you something in exchange. Right? But when you put money into the offering plate, or do it, set it up online for automatic withdrawals, or however you do it, when you, you write a, a check to a certain charity or make a contribution to some you know, relief effort, hurricane relief, or, or a, a charity like American Heart Association, Association or, or whatever the case may be, or give a gift to a scholarship fund at a college or a school like ours, that's grace, isn't it? That is showing love to people for which you, or, or to something that you're not getting anything in exchange for necessarily. That's undeserved love, an expression of grace on your part. And we do well to remember that in our giving. And when, whenever requests are being made of, this is more than just some kind of routine, mundane financial transaction, like when you're paying your bills or something. This is your opportunity to show grace. Like God has shown grace to you, this is your opportunity to express your undeserved love, just like God has loved you undeservedly. Now, once we understand that giving is more than just a financial transaction, but it is grace, it makes perfect sense then, doesn't it, that Paul says, excel in this grace. He's not just asking the Corinthians, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be stopping by, write your check, and I'll take it to Jerusalem, and we'll be done with it. He's not even saying, hey, do the best you can in this area. He's saying, excel in this area. Abound in this grace. Overflow with this grace. Go above and beyond you know, go far above and exceed all normal expectations. Excel in this grace. So do you think the Holy Spirit thinks this is kind of an important aspect of your Christian life? Yeah, absolutely. It's important enough to excel at it. So how does that show in your life? Well, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of cooking. I don't excel at cooking. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I don't even like, I don't enjoy cooking. To me, it's just a utilitarian function. It's almost a necessary evil in my life 
to get to what I really think is important and meaningful to me, and that is eating. But I know a lot of people really do excel at cook. They love to cook, maybe some of you out there. This week, uh, I, my family was on vacation, and one of those afternoons, when it was raining cats and dogs, nothing else to do, we watched cooking shows, right? We, uh, guys, grocery games, and beat Bobby Flay, MasterChef, you guys know these things, surely, don't you? Those people, man, they excel at what they do. They excel in their cooking. And you can tell they put time and effort into what they're doing. They've gone through lots of training, I'm sure, in classes. They practice it over and over again. They give it a lot of their attention. That's what Paul is asking of us. The Holy Spirit is asking of us in this area of Christian giving. Excel in it. Like those people were excelling in their, in their cooking. To give it our due attention. To not just think of it as a necessary evil. We've got to write this check and be done with it. But to regard it as important and meaningful and something that we want to give our attention to. So that's the essence of Paul's message to the Corinthians and the Holy Spirit's message to us, excel in the grace of giving. Now, to get us to that point where we do excel or strive to excel, Paul calls our attention to a couple of different things. One of them is the example of the Macedonian Christians, and the other is the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk, first of all, about these Macedonian Christians uh, they were some Christians that were living just to the north of the Corinthians. So the Corinthians would have been familiar with them. It might be like me talking to you to say, you guys need to think about the, the Christians up in the Dallas area or something like that. But what does Paul say about these uh, Macedonians? He says, brothers, uh, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. By the way, note that term. He doesn't say, I want you to know about their giving. I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonians. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they didn't do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. <clears throat> Did you ever do that experiment or the science fair project where you, you made a volcano? You took the baking soda and the vinegar, right? And you poured it in and I, I bubbled out this volcano. The standard science fair project. That's exactly what I thought of when I read this section of Scripture, especially, uh, where is it? Verse, uh, verse 2, right? where it says, their overflowing joy on the one hand and their extreme poverty on the other hand, these things welled up. They bubbled over like a volcano into rich generosity. Now, overflowing joy, I can understand. We can understand it makes sense, right? When you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it, right? When you're happy, joyful, it shows and it makes sense when you're happy and joyful to, that you're willing to give. But you know what doesn't make sense about that joy? It's that they had joy, much less overflowing joy. Because what was their situation? 
He says, out of their most severe trial. They were undergoing some kind of severe trial, maybe persecution, and maybe it's connected with their extreme poverty. Whatever the case, it was a tough life for them. So how in the world could they have any joy, much less overflowing joy? It can only be because of their overflowing faith in a God who overflows with grace and mercy in their lives. They knew that that no matter what they were experiencing in the world, that God had their back, that heaven was their home. They knew that they were heirs, not just of a plot of land or a big savings account, but they were heirs of the kingdom of God and heaven in all of its glory. They trusted in that God who was going to take care of them just as he took care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. They knew the overflowing grace of God in their lives and that's why they were overflowing with joy. In fact, they were, they were begging for the opportunity to participate in this offering because of that joy. And people of God, that is the same God you and I have. That God who overflows with grace and mercy in our lives. That God who gave up His only Son so that we might be heirs of His kingdom. When Jesus came into the world, joy came into the world, even for us, just as the Macedonians. Now, in addition to that overflowing joy, what was that second ingredient? The second ingredient was, get this, extreme poverty. What? How can a great example of Christian giving come from a people who are extremely poor? That just doesn't make sense, does it? And yet that's what happened. How in the world can that be? It's because excellent giving has nothing to do with the amount of dollars given, but the amount of grace and love from which that giving flows. Now, I know that's be hard for us to kind of grasp because we are used to the big donors getting all the attention, right? They get the plaques. They get their names on the list of donors at the top in big, bold font, you know, the platinum category or whatever, and, and the rest of us donors are down there in the small print that you need your readers to see if we're even listed at all. But what really matters to God is the willingness the attitude of the heart. And that's why Jesus praised that widow in our gospel reading, even though she gave a mere pittance compared to what everybody else gave. And that's why the Macedonians are considered here by Paul as a great example of giving, even though they had extreme poverty. They couldn't have been giving very much because of that poverty. But they're a great example because of their willingness to give. They were begging to give. They urgently pleaded for the privilege. It wasn't for them a a necessary evil, but it was a joy for them to participate, no matter how much they give. 
or how much they gave. Now, and maybe we, we still have the question now or the practical question, well, how much should I give? And what does Paul say? Um, they gave, uh, excuse me, where the willingness is, I've lost my place here, where is it? Well, so the, the, where the willingness is, uh, they, they gave, man, I'm sorry, I'm lost here. Where is that? For the willingness, there it is, verse 12. For the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Now, you and I might be familiar with the Old Testament tithe and 10% being the ideal, and that might be a good target for us. But understand, as New Testament Christians, we are not bound to that legalistic uh, number. In the freedom of Christ, we are free to give what is in our heart to give. But it is a biblical principle to give relative to what we have, whatever percentage that might be. And thinking about these Macedonians, they actually gave more than they were able to give. They went beyond their ability, whatever percentage that might have been, just like that widow went, gave 100%. What a great percentage that was. But the, in the end, the praise is given to the widow in that gospel reading and to the Macedonians because they gave from the heart. It was an expression of their overflowing grace. That example of the Macedonians was the first thing Paul talked about to encourage them in the grace of giving, but he also brings up and reminds them of something they already know, something you already know, and that is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says there in verse 8 and 9, I'm not commanding you. This is not a legalistic obligation for you. But I'm testing the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So the Macedonians were certainly a great example of of giving, but there is no greater example of giving than that of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was perfect in every aspect of his Christian life, the spotless Lamb of God, the one about whom the Father said, with him I am well pleased. Think about the assets he owned under his control. He was the owner of all things. The universe is his. And think about what he gave. Think about his giving. He gave up the glory and majesty of heaven, the full use of his his Godhead, to take on the the nature of a servant, our nature, to be born of a woman. He gave up praise and glory for scorn and and ridicule. He gave up a life in heaven without pain or without tears for a life of weeping, for a life of, of being whipped and having a crown put on his head. He gave up his very life for you and me. He gave up full communion with God to be forsaken by God for our sake. 
And then think about the grace that was behind all that, that drove that. His undeserved love for you and me. There is no better example of giving than that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hands down, no contest. But when you hear all of that about what He gave up for you and me, don't you see it is more than just an example for us to follow? It is our very salvation. It's the very reason that we can be confident of eternal life despite our greed, despite our stinginess, despite not caring about any aspect of our Christian life, much less about our giving habits. It is the reason that we can count on being rich in righteousness even though we are poor on our own account. It's the reason that we can have overflowing joy just like the Macedonians. All that Christ gave up for us is more than just an example. It is what we can trust in for our forgiveness, for our life and our salvation. I'm sure there are things that you try to excel at in your life, that you do excel at. Maybe it's your job, that would be a good thing. Maybe it's a hobby that you try to excel at. But how about this grace that Paul talks about today, this grace of giving? Excel at that. Like Paul, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I would encourage you to excel in this grace, this grace of giving. Take to heart the example of the Macedonians. Take to heart the story of that widow in the gospel reading. But most importantly, take to heart the grace, the overflowing, abounding grace of our Lord Jesus Christ for you, through whom We are rich in every way in grace and mercy and the kingdom of God. Rich enough to overflow with grace in our lives, even in the grace of giving. For that good news of the abounding and overflowing grace that God has for us, all God's people say, Amen. 